And for those of you who are not up on your fictional languages, hello and welcome to a very special edition of our podcast. I'm Emily, first of my name, maker of tea and breaker of fragile objects. And I am Carrie, first and maybe last of my name, teller of inappropriate jokes and pronouncer of words. This week we take a step away from our usual material to bring you history of another sort, shall we say. The world is currently gripped by Game of Thrones fever and, as the final season is premiering this week, or has premiered this week, we've decided to bring you a history of Westeros. Warning, there may be some spoilers if you haven't watched up to date yet, and when a spoiler is coming you will hear us go Nino Nino spoiler spoiler or something of that ilk. So, make sure the hands are fed, grab a glass of Arbor Gold and settle down for Tarbis After Hours. Now, this timeline of, ma- of major events attempts to lay out the most important points in the history of Restoros, of Ethos, based solely on dates and information given in the novels and any supporting materials. Uh, for further details, you can read up on the years before Aegon's Conquest and after Aegon's Conquest. But we're going to stick to a timeline f- mostly for ease and for timing. Uh, we haven't actually got all night and we only have 40-ish minutes of a podcast to get everything in. So, bear with us. We will try and make it as seamlessly easy to understand as possible. We need all the luck in the world. Let's do it. Uh, According to tradition, the history of Westeros goes back over 12,000 years. However, the oldest historic accounts in Westeros were, uh, were written after the Andal's arrival to the continent as the first men used runes for carving stone. Everything written about uh, the Age of Heroes, the Dawn Age and the Long Night originates from stories written down by Septons thousands of years later. The accuracy of the legends and the myths that recount much of this history is openly questioned by the maesters of the Citadel, amongst others. For ease, and to give some context, we will talk about events in years before Season 1 to begin with. For example, before man arrived. The lands of Westeros are inhabited by a mysterious race of diminutive... Um, dimin- try again. Diminutive, there we go. Humanoid creatures known as the children of the forest, as well as giants and other magical creatures. And this was around 13,000 years before the events of Season 1. 700 later, years later, so about 1,300 years before Season 1. Get, get it now? You with us? Good. The first men invaded Westeros. They were a human ethnic group from Essos. Now, Essos is the largest of the four known continents in the world. It's east of Westeros, you know, Westeros, West, Essos, East, north of Sotheros and Ulthos. It stretches from the Narrow Sea in the western, surrounding the Jade Sea in the east, if not slightly further. No one quite knows what's west of Westeros. That's Arya's task. Um, Back to the first men. They invade Westeros by crossing the Arm of Dawn, which is in the south of Westeros and is essentially a land bridge that linked southeastern Westeros and southwestern Essos, bearing weapons of bronze. So essentially a Game of Thrones Bronze Age. Um, when the Children of the Forest and the First Men went to war, the old songs say Green Seers of the Children used the Hammer of the Waters to make the seas rise and sweep land away, thus shattering the arm in an attempt to end the invasion. It kind of worked. The arm was broken, creating the broken arm, and the island chain known as the Stepstones, 
But it was too late. Some men had already crossed and the war went on. Uh, the war itself lasted for roughly 2,000 years. Oh, just a uh, short one. Yeah, just a tad. Um, this was before the first men and the children of the forest agreed on a truce. This truce was known as the Pact, and it was signed on the Isle of Faces. It was a truce so simple that I'm not sure why it took 2,000 years and many lives to figure it out. But hey, Game of Thrones wouldn't be fun if it was so simple, would it? True. Um, it was agreed that the first men would control the open land, while the children would control, wait for it, the forests. <gasps> no. Yep, they agreed that the children of the forest would control the forest. Wow. Yeah. Um, for the next 200 years, so 10,300 years before season one, that would become known as the Age of Heroes. It was a happy time, it was a peaceful time, where men and women would live in harmony and prosperity following the forging of the so-called pact. Um, over the years, the first men and the children of the forest would set aside their cultural differences to embrace the ways and customs of each other's times. With the exception of a few. Uh, for example, the drowned god of the Iron Islands, the lady of the waves and lord of the skies of the three sisters. Many noble houses of Westeros traced their lineage back to the Age of the Heroes, and grand historical figures are said to have lived at that time. Brandon the Builder, Lan the Cleaver, and Garth the Gardener, all of whom we shall discuss later on. Yes, we will. Um, but now we shall begin, I guess, uh, where it's all going to end. The beginning of the White Walkers. <gasps> dum dum dum. <laughs> Very dramatic. Thank you. Um, it was known as the Long Night, and so it began. The White Walkers invaded from the north, but we don't know where they came from. We know where the Night King came from. He was essentially one giant fuck-up. In this time, still 8,300 years before we first meet our heroes, devils, our souls, Tyrion. Yeah. <laughs> um, might see, the night seemed to last for a generation, and the longest, coldest, and darkest winter descends on all of Westeros. The ice spreads down from the north, and under the cover of darkness, the others, in inverted commas, invade Westeros from the uttermost north, marching, killing, and raising up the deads to be their servant. Raising up the deads? It's more than one. It's a plural. Sorry. Raising up the dead. I was trying to go for suspense. To be their servants in the unlife, and nearly destroying all men in Westeros. This was before the wall, before winter fell, and before the doom of Valyria. The long night comes to an end with the battle for the dawn. The children and the first men unite to defeat the others with dragonglass weapons, which we know now and um, probably would have helped Jon Snow a bit quicker if he knew. But then my bae Samuel Tarly couldn't have kicked ass. And as we know, Jon Snow knows nothing. He knows nothing. With the Night's Watch pushing them back to the frozen reaches of the far north, and legendary figures from this time including the last hero and Azor Ahai, who wields a great sword of fire, Lightbringer. Dum. I love how it all sounds so. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I think I meant to go dum dum dum, but I kind of just stopped. You just after the noise. Just... <laughs> yeah, yes, I did. Oh, anyway, uh, three hundred years after this, Brandon Stark the first, known as Bran the Builder. See, Ooh, I told wonder. you we'd talk about these guys again, didn't mm -hmm. I? Didn't I? Didn't I? Um, with the aid of, of giants, the first men, and possibly the children of the forest, built the wall. 
as in the wall. A monumental fortification of ice and ancient magic. This was to shelter the realms of men from the menaces of the north. Good old Hadrian, I mean Brandon. The sworn <laughs> brotherhood of the Night's Watch, watch would guard watch. the wall. You can't talk. You're the one who decided to make dead plural. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> it is said that Bran the Builder also builds Winterfell at this time and becomes the King of Winter, and he founds House Stark. At the time the wall was built, many of the first men living in the north became trapped. They called themselves free folk, but inhabitants of Westeros called them wildlings. Uh, Not long after the wall is complete, the 13th Lord Commander of the Night's Watch breaks his oath, in true Jon Snow style. He's seduced by another woman, uh, one from beyond the wall. He declares himself the Night's King and rises in rebellion with the Watch as his personal army. Uh, During the dark years of his reign, horrific atrocities are committed, of which tales are still told in the north, even after several millennia. The Starks of Winterfell and the king beyond the wall, Joramon, join forces to defeat the Night's King and thus restore honour to the Watch. This is the same Joramon who also finds the Horn of Winter, which which he is said to have used to awaken the giants from the earth. Um, Around this time, Lan the Clever founded House Lannister, while House Stark became the dominant house in the north, it was rivalled by House Bolton. Uh, this rivalry lasted about a thousand years before House Bolton was forced to submit to the Starks. More on that later. In the hills of Andalos in Essos, a new religion was taking shape, the Faith of the Seven. Supposedly, seven deities appear to Hugo of the Hill, inspiring the Andals for their invasions of Westeros. The Andals cross the narrow sea and settle on the eastern shore at the Fingers in the Vale. They come under the banner of the Faith of the Seven, with seven-pointed stars carved into their chests, wielding weapons of steel. Sounds delightful. They fight both the First Men and the Children of the Forest, sweeping the land, much like the First Men did thousands of years before. I mean, seriously, did, did they not learn anything? It has not. They quickly conquered Westeros, south of the Neck. Unable to conquer the North, they made peace. Anyway, when the Andals cross the narrow sea from Essos is disputed... Some sources indicate 6,000 years ago, the true history states it was 4,000, and some maces claim it was 2,000 years ago. For centuries, the Andals war with the first men and the children of the forest in an attempt to drive them out. One by one, the six southern kingdoms fall, and the weirwoods are burned, the weirwoods being the holy trees of the the first men and the children of the forest. Um, Only the north remains under the rule of the first men in a large part due to the strategically located fortresses of Moat Caelan, um, resisting multiple attempts to take it, and therefore serving as a doorway between north and south. Even though the north remained secure, the Andals killed most of the children of the forest. Those that survived went into hiding, as you would. Um, Thousands of years of peace were then wiped out. This is 6,000 years before Season 1. The Andals took over the Vale and founded House Arryn. And 4,000 years before, they took over the Iron Islands, said to have been around 1,000 years after the beginning of their invasion of Westeros, ending the line of the kings of the Iron Islands, which originated from Euron Grey Iron. Unlike in the other regions, however, Andals are assimilated into the native beliefs of the Iron Islands, of the Old Way and the Drowned God in the north. They are also intermarried with the inhabitants of other regions of Westeros. Now, this is where we get some slight overlapping... Um, a few other wars take place which are integral to the history of Westeros, so bear with us. 
uh, we'll try and make it as uncomplicated as possible. Um, while Westeros was recovering from the long night, in Essos, the peaceful sheep-herding folk of the Valerian Peninsula find dragons layering in the Fourteen Flames, which is like an immense chain of volcanoes um, extending across the neck of the peninsula. Uh, the Valerians tame the dragons with magic, which gives them the mean to gain influence over the area. The Valerian Freehold is established. It's the capital, Valeria. Um, magic flourishes here. Um, Talpless towers rise toward the heavens where the dragons soar. Uh, stone sphinxes gaze down through the eyes of garnet and smiths forge swords of legendary strength and sharpness. Five wars are also fought between the old empire of Geese, the greatest empire on the eastern continent, and the Freehold Wars, which Valyria wins with the help of its dragons. The Valyrians practice slavery learned from the Giscari. The Giscari Wars end with the Fifth War, in which Old Geese is utterly destroyed by the Freehold, as to ensure there would not be a Sixth War. See, after five wars, they finally frickin' learn. The Valyrians destroy the city's walls and streets with dragon flame, and salt and sulphur the fields. With the Giscari Empire defeated and shattered, the Valyrian Freehold expands its influence over the surviving slaver cities of Slaver's Bay. Following the defeat of the old empire of Geese, the Freehold seeks to expand their territories. The Andals, who had been living in Andalos, travelled west to flee the upcoming Valyrians and prevent slavery. They first landed in the fingers of the Vale of Arryn, and from there they spread all across Westeros. Now, we all know I'm not great at pronouncing words, so this could be... You might need your help, Carrie. Okay. It is, what, it is in, your, in your title, anyway. I am the pronouncer of words. Yep. So next came the Roynish Wars. With the destruction of the Old Geese, the Freehold's slow westward expansion, it brings into conflict with the Roynish cities along the Great River Roin, a vast waterway. Uh, this series of wars between the Valerian Freehold and the Roynar start around 950 BC, so like... BS, before season one. Yeah, BS, what's it <laughs> Not bullshit, before season one. Uh, with, possi- with possibly the best name for a war ever. The First Turtle War. You do realise that implies there were other turtle wars, right? Wow. Wow. That makes me very happy. Not, <laughs> not the wars, obviously. The name. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, this lasts for some 250 years and ends with the Second Spice War. The Roynar Migration was about Prince Garin the Great, who raised an army of a quarter million people, that's a big army, Mm -hmm. um, to oppose the Valyrians. But he failed utterly against their dragons. Shocker. Yeah. Following the defeat in the Second Spice War, Nymeria and Roynish warrior queen evacuated the survivors of Garin's War, mostly women and children, on 10,000 ships across the Narrow Sea, seeking refuge in Dawn in southern Westeros. There, Nymeria forms a marriage alliance with Lord Mors Martell, and together they finally organise the land into one kingdom, establishing House Martell as the ruling house of Dawn after Nymeria's war. The Valerian Freehold annexes a small island at the mouth of Blackwater Bay, off the east coast of Westeros. This is where we meet them, the Targaryens. Dun dun dun! Yeah, a, they are a Valerian dragonlord family that take control of the island. This is some 500 years before season one. Okay. Um, they build a castle whose towers are shaped to look like dragons, giving it its name, Dragonstone. I mean, not the most inventive oh. names, but it does, no, it it's a cool. purpose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> and following a prophetic dream of his daughter Danis, 
Lord Einar Targaryen decides to leave Valeria with his family and all, and all their belongings, and they settle at Dragonstone. Now we come to the doom of Valeria. I'm not singing it. <laughs> <laughs> the nature of the doom is unclear, save that heavy volcanic and seismic activity are involved, likely due to the 14 flames, um, the mountains where the dragons were first discovered. Think like Pompeii and Krakatoa times seven at the same time. Seven. That's specific. Yeah, there's 14 of them, and Pompeii and Krakatoa are two, so times it by seven, you make 14. Well done, I'm proud of you. Quick maths! What are you doing, maths? <laughs> um, the Valyrian Peninsula is essentially shattered at this point, and the city of Valyria is laid waste, although not completely destroyed. The dragons of Valyria are virtually wiped out, and the Valyrian Freehold crumbles apart in the Century of Blood. Its various city-states break apart, asserting their independence and surviving to this day as the free cities and the cities of Slaver's Bay. The ruins can still of Old Valyria can still be seen. It's quite dangerous to go there because it is mostly inhabited by the stone men, who are people with advanced forms of the plague known as Grayscale. Nice, not sure I'd want to hurry up over there. No. No. Not worth it. Pie, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> A thousand years before season one, um, you have the various houses of Westeros that had at this point been split into seven kingdoms, each ruled by a dominant house, with others serving that house. The seven kingdoms were named the Kingdom of the North, the Kingdom of the Vale, the Kingdom of the Reach, the Kingdom of Isles and Rivers, the Kingdom of the Rock, the Storm Kingdom, and the Principality of Dawn. <laughs> Sorry, Kingdom, 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 Principality of Dawn. Uh-huh. I love Dawn. <laughs> right. So, um, at this point, the free folk, or the wildlings, unite under the brother kings beyond the wall, Gendal and Gorm. They manage to evade the Night's Watch and bypass the wall in great numbers, using a network of tunnels that extend under the wall. However, they are met by the Stark king on the other side and eventually thrown back. <laughs> Gutted. Um, we're only 700 years away now. And House Stark finally subdues House Bolton, their primary antagonists for the dominance in the north. Later, Carlon Stark would defeat Sea Raiders from the east and found the cadet branch House Car Stark. Carlon Stark, Car Stark, makes sense. Um, in the west, the Ironborn of the Iron Islands rise to power. At their peak, they control most of the western coast from Old Town and the Arbor in the south to Bear Island in the north. The Rhoynar, fleeing the Valyrians, migrate to Dawn. This is the last major migration into Westeros. At Harrenhal, Ironborn King Harrenhal begins the construction of the castle Harrenhal, which will take most of his reign to complete. A hundred years later, House Frey built a bridge and castle known as the Twins at the Green Fork of the River Trident. They became wealthy from the toll they charged anyone wishing to cross their bridge. Now at this point, Aegon the Conqueror invades Westeros, and it's just two years he subdues and unites six of the seven kingdoms of Westeros under his banner and constructs a new capital city at King's Landing. Dawn remains independent, however. Uh, with the destruction of the Storm King, Alec the Arrogant, and the death of the last king of the Reach, control of the castle of Storm's End passes to Aegon's half-brother, Oris Baratheon. Ooh! and of Highgarden to Harlan Tyrell. Ooh. Edmund Tyrell of... Uh, Edmund Tyrell? I was getting excited there. <laughs> um, Edmund Tully of Riverrun is named Lord Paramount of the Trident, and Vicon Greyjoy of Pike becomes Lord of the Iron Islands. 
the day of Aegon's coronation by the High Septon in Old Town becomes the first day of his reign, and we're now starting to hear the name. To hear the names we know and kind of love. Um, Aegon Targaryen decides to invade Westeros. He landed in Blackwater Bay and began construction of the Red Keep. He and his sister Rhaenys and Visenya. Visenya, close. Cheers. Uh, they rode three dragons and burned anyone who would not submit. Aegon Targaryen's half brother, we said before, Oris Baratheon, invaded the Stormlands and took that land for himself, founding House Baratheon. Torren Stark decided not to fight the Targaryens and submit himself. I think that's quite safe. You know, they've got the dragons. That's sensible. Mm-hmm. Thus, meaning the Starks are allowed to rule the North under the Targaryens. Now, <clears throat> Harry. Yes. Are you ready to do a 250-year whistle-stop tour of the Targaryen dynasty? Not even remotely. Let's do this. I believe in you. Dawn was the only region of Westeros that Aegon was unable to conquer. Aegon therefore allowed Dawn to remain independent, which is why the Dornish words, or the words of House Martell, are unbowed, unbent, unbroken. Because they didn't bend the knee, they didn't bow, they were unbroken. Little fact for you. Um, Aegon Targaryen began construction of King's Landing at the mouth of the Blackwater River. Aenys Targaryen succeeded his father as King of the Seven Kingdoms. He was weak and gave his half-brother, Maegor, the power to deal with uprisings in his name. He was given the title Hand of the King. The Faith of the Seven were unhappy with the Targaryen's practice of incest... No shit, Sherlock. ...and their military branch, the Faith Militant, led an uprising against the Targaryens. Aenys Targaryen died, and his younger brother, Maegor, took the throne over. Aenys's children. He led an attack against the Faith Militant, killing thousands. There was an uprising against Maegor, known as Maegor the Cruel, FYI. Maegor killed himself rather than face defeat. Bit drastic there. Aenys' son, Jaehaerys, became king. He agreed a treaty with the Faith Militant, whereby they would disband and accept the Targaryen practice of incest. Ugh. I mean, at least he had some sense, you know, he did end the violence. But he accepted incest. Well, you know, I suppose you love who you love. Hmm... The numbers of Night's Watch had steadily declined. The Night's Watch abandoned Nightfort and moved its headquarters to Castle Black. Jaehaerys Targaryen died and was succeeded by his grandson, Viserys. Viserys died. He had nominated his daughter, Rhaenyra, to rule after him, but Sir Criston Cole, commander of the Kingsguard, named Viserys' son, Aegon, to rule as King Aegon II. The two children went to war, and this was known as the Dance of the Dragons. Aegon defeated Rhaenyra and fed her to his dragon. Rhaenyra's, Rhaenyra's son, Aegon, continued to fight, and when Aegon II died, he succeeded as Aegon III. This is confusing. At least they keep the names the same, you know. They're like, what, brother, uncle, cousins. They might as well have the same name. Fair point. The Dance of the Dragons had led to the death of all the Targaryen dragons. Aegon III's son, Daron, succeeded his father. Aged 14 years, he decided to invade Dawn, but was killed in the attempt. There's a reason they didn't submit. Just <laughs> FYI. Um, he was succeeded by his brother, Baelor, who made peace with Dawn. King Baelor died childless. He was also known as Baelor the Blessed because he built the sept of Baelor in King's Landing and was basically... He was like the Westerosi equivalent of King Louis. He was better suited to be a monk than he was a king. Okay. Um, he was then succeeded by his brother Viserys II. 
Viserys II died and was succeeded by his son Aegon IV. Aegon IV was a bad and cruel king. Bad man. He scorned, scorned his son, Daron, who was married to Maria Martel, and preferred to maintain peace, instead giving preferment to his bastard son, Daemon, known as Daemon Blackfire. It's a cool name. Alright. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it really is. If you're giving a name your kid, you know. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah, Blackfire. <laughs> Aegon IV died. He was succeeded by his true-born son, Daron II. Daron's half-brother, Daemon Blackfire, ooh, claimed the throne, stating that Daron was illegitimate. The move <laughs> spark- <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The move sparked a civil war as houses declared themselves for one side or the other. Daemon, with a large force, marched on King's Landing. He was met by an army led by Daron II's son, ba- sons, Baylor, Baylor, oh, I can't get my words out, Baylor and Makar. The resulting Battle of Redgrass Field was eventually won with the arrival of Dornish forces in support of King Daron that routed Daemon's men. You're doing very well, dude. I'm proud. Thank you. Do you need to breathe? Have a drink? No, I'm good. I've got this. Continue. I'm, I'm halfway there. You are. In recognition of the support given by Dawn during the Battle of Redgrass Field, Daron II married his sister Daenerys to Maron Martell. Sir Duncan the Tall and Prince Aegon embarked on a series of adventures across Westeros. Their adventures were told in the tales of Duncan Egg. An illness known as the Great Spring Sickness then spread through Westeros, killing many of the population, including Daron II and his heir, Prince Baelor. Daron's next eldest son succeeds as King Aerys I. Supporters of the Blackfire family attempt a second revolt against the throne, but are caught and executed. Many Blackfire loyalists fled to the free cities. Damon Blackfire's brother formed the Golden Company, providing swords to those who will pay. Eris I faced another rebellion by the Blackfires, but it was again put down successfully. Eris died childless and was succeeded by his brother Makar I. Makar I died whilst laying siege to a rebel lord's castle. Makar's two eldest sons had died of disease, so the throne was offered to Makar's third son, Aemon, who was a maester of the citadel. He refused, stating that his vows as a maester would not allow him to be king. The throne, therefore, passed to Makar's fourth son, Aegon V. Now, Aegon V was a benevolent ruler who tried to enact measures to make life easier for the small folk. Oh, bless him. However, oh. in order to do so, he had to raise taxes on the rich, which turned many lords against him. Aegon V faced a new rebellion by the grandson of Daemon Blackfire, but it was easily suppressed. Pycelle became Grand Maester to Aegon V, Aegon V was then faced with a new rebellion by supporters of the Blackfires. Oh my god, did they not learn? Apparently not. Um, known as the War of the Nine Penny Kings, because nine leaders of the rebellion sought to make their own lands in Westeros, the rebels had some initial success. But when the leader of the rebel, rebel blah, 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 but when the leader of the rebellion, Malis Blackfire, was killed, Sir Barristan Selmy by Terrace! <laughs> <laughs> But when the leader of the rebellion, Malis Blackfire, was killed by Sir Barristan Selmy, they faced defeat. Selmy and Brynden Tully, known as the Blackfish, were celebrated as heroes for helping Aegon V defeat the, re- the rebels. Barristan Selmy was appointed a member of the Kingsguard. Aegon V had wanted Elena Redwine to marry one of his sons, but she didn't want the match, and married Lord, Lu- Lord Luther Tyrrell instead, and trust me, you don't make Elena Tyrell do anything she didn't want to do. You do not. You do not. Aegon V and his son Duncan were killed in a fire at Summerhall. Aegon's son, Eris, became king. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. That was like a page and a half. That was exhausting. Yeah, very good. Thank you. So I'll take over now for a little bit. 
were too kind. At this point, Tywin Lannister restored Lannister control of the Westerlands. Aerys II appointed Tywin Lannister Hand of the King. Uh, twins Cersei and Jaime were then born uh, to Tywin Lannister and his wife Joanna. A son, Tyrion, uh, was also born uh, to Tywin and Joanna. Um, he suffered from dwarfism. Um, his mother died from complications of this birth. And as you all know from Game of Thrones, he basically has this held against him for the rest of forever. Mostly by his sister. Yes. Uh, Cersei Lannister and her friend Malaria Heatherspoon, is that right? Close, Malara. Malara Heatherspoon. Of all the surnames, Heatherspoon just seems a little bit too normal. It's anticlimactic. Isn't it, Jeff? Um They visited a witch called Maggie. Maggie the Frog. In the forests. Um, she was told that she would marry the king and become queen. She would have three children, all of whom would die before her and her husband would father 20 children. Uh, she was also told that her reign as queen would be short-lived because a younger and more beautiful queen would take her place. Foreshadowing. Why, why do people ask for their fortune? R- rule number one, never ask for your fortune to be read. You probably won't like it. Mm-hmm. Continue. Uh, Aegon V would not allow a marriage between Cersei Lannister and his son Rhaegar. Instead, he married Rhaegar to Alain Martel of Dorne. Um, Aegon V was beginning to mistrust Tywin Lannister... Can't think why. <laughs> and when trying to deal with a problem himself, he was imprisoned and had to be rescued. A son, Theon, was was born to Balon Greyjoy. Uh, Prince Rhaegar won a tournament that was held at Hall and shot those present... Harrenhal. And shot those present when he named Lyanna Stark, Queen of Love and Beauty, instead of his wife. <gasps> Aegon V made Jamie Lannister a member of the Kingsguard which made his dad Tywin furious, since the post meant Jamie could never marry and could not inherit Casterly Rock. He resigned as Hand of the King. Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark disappeared. Lyanna's brother, Brandon, assumed Rhaegar had kidnapped her. Spoilers! Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. He did not. Um, Brandon rode to King's Landing to protest, but Aegon had him imprisoned. Rickard Stark, his father, then rode to King's Landing demanding justice but was executed with wildfire and Brandon was strangled. The way he did it was absolutely brutal. He suspended um, Rickard from the ceiling in his armour over the fire and the other end of the rope was attached to Brandon's neck. So the further he tried to run forward to hoist his father up away from the fire, the more he strangled himself. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's sadistic right there. Yeah. Um, Eddard Stark, his other son, was now head of House Stark. He called out his bannermen and joined Robert Baratheon. They vowed to bring down the Targaryens. Robert defeated Rhaegar... Robert was defeated, sorry, at the Battle of Ashford, but then saw victory at the Battle of the Bells. Rhaegar Targaryen had his marriage to Elia of Dawn annulled and... Spoilers! Spoiler, 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 spoiler! secretly married Lyanna Stark. Told you. Spoilers. Eddard Stark married Catelyn Tully and John Arryn married Liza Tully, two sisters and um, the, the nieces of Brynden Blackfish. Yeah. Um, the royalist forces led by Rhaegar Targaryen were defeated at the Battle of the Trident. Rhaegar was killed by Robert Baratheon. He took a massive hammer to the chest and the rubies 
that were encrusted in the sigil of the Targaryen family on his chest fell out into the river along with his blood and the river ran red with his blood with Rhaegar dead many nobles changed sides and marched to King's Landing Jamie Lannister killed Aerys II and was given the name Kingslayer Robert Baratheon was proclaimed King Robert I um, he appointed John Arryn as Hand of the King uh, Lyanna Stark then gave birth to a son in the Tower of Joy um, as she lay dying from birth she gave the child to her brother Ned to look after. Ned kept the identity of this child secret and brought him up as a bastard. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! He was named Jon Snow. <gasps> no! Or yes! I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, after learning of the death of Lyanna Stark, Robert Baratheon married Cersei Lannister to maintain the loyalty of the Lannisters. Their first son, Joffrey... Mm. was actually fathered by Cersei's twin, Jamie. Keeping it in the family. Twins having babies does have an effect on their personality. Just saying. I don't know what you mean. Meanwhile, a daughter, Daenerys, was born to Queen Rhaela on Dragonstone. Rhaela died soon after her daughter's birth. Daenerys and her brother Viserys were taken to Essos by loyalist supporters. A son, Rob, was born to Eddard and Catelyn Stark. A daughter, Marcella, was born to Cersei and, inverted commas, Robert Baratheon, also fathered by Jamie Lannister. A son, Tommen, was born to Cersei and Robert Baratheon, again fathered by Jamie Lannister, and slightly less insane, slightly. Hashtag flight risk. Yeah, Hashtag that. that's why they call it King's Landing. Hey. <laughs> A daughter, Sansa, was born to Eddard and Catelyn Stark. Another daughter, Arya, was born to Eddard and Catelyn Stark. Gosh, these Starks, they do get up to right. it, don't they? Right. <clears throat> Followed by a son, Brandon. Lord Balon Greyjoy led a rebellion against King Robert. After months of fighting, the Greyjoy rebellion was put down. His two eldest sons were killed, and his youngest, Theon Greyjoy, was made a ward of Eddard Stark. A son, Robin, was born to John Arryn and Liza Tully. Another son, Rickon, was born to, guess what? Eddon and Catelyn Stark. And now, just a year before the start of season one, Viserys and, Daener Viserys and Daenerys Targaryen were given refuge in the home of Magister Illyrio Mopatis of Pentos, who offered to support to help Viserys reclaim the Iron Throne. Didn't exactly go to plan. I mean, he got a crown of gold. That he did. Ouch. That is literally the one death in Game of Thrones that makes me go a little bit... No, oh, no, 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 there is one. And all I will say is squish. <laughs> oh no. no 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 no! I still think Viserys' death is worse than than the Vipers. Let's let's agree to disagree. Okay. <laughs> uh, so guess where we are, Carrie? <gasps> oh, season season one. one. It begins with the children of Ned Stark finding a litter of direwolf pups and taking one each. This is also um, book one of the book series. It's based on a song of ice and fire. Definitely, yeah. This. Thus ending the history of Westeros from before the show or the books begin. If you're confused, so are we slightly, but if you slow down the podcast and listen again, I'm sure it will make sense. I'll bite we may sound a tad creepy. 
Yeah, you may also want to do one of those wall charts that seem to have the strings everywhere across the room just to keep up with who's related to whom and who's doing whom and who killed whom and yeah. I don't think there's enough string in the world to com- to do it correctly. No, but it'd be a great limbo party if you tried. Right. Yeah. So, it's that time again. Time for the ridiculous deaths. And in keeping with the theme, we've gone for a ridiculous Game of Thrones death. We've covered here that the Targaryens were, um, they controlled the dragons, they believed they were blood of the dragon, and this hit home with one particular ruler, Arian Targaryen, also known as... (laughs) That's a nice thing to say! Arian Targaryen. Arian Targaryen. Well, better than Anus Targaryen. How I didn't laugh the whole time you said that. I don't know. I'm so proud of myself. I was trying so hard not to look at you. Um, Also known as Arian Brightflame. For reasons that will become very obvious very soon. Now, uh, he was was human, and he had this supernatural connection with dragons, um, so much so that he believed himself to be one of them. As in a dragon. He believed himself to be a dragon. Now, don't forget, the Targaryens practiced incest, and incest, as we know, does not make for stable rulers. No. Or stable people, or five-fingered people with no webbed toes. Uh, that was a little dig at Norfolk. That was rude. I, I did not specifically say Norfolk, but since you've said it. Shut um, up, <laughs> so he was so convinced that he was a dragon, but try as he might, he couldn't quite bring himself to breathe fire. It's a bit of a problem if you're a dragon. I mean, let's ignore the whole flying thing. The fire breathing thing is pretty major. So he did the next best thing. He swallowed it. He took a nice big gulp of the Westerosi equivalent of napalm wildfire. Spoilers, it did not end well. The ashes of Aerion Bright Flame could formerly be seen on display in the sect of Baylor in King's Landing. <laughs> Mixed with bits of green gunk. <laughs> that was such an evil laugh. <laughs> that was such a chuckle. <laughs> he swallowed wildfire like yeah. what an idiot. It's like I can't breathe fire so I'll swallow it instead because that's gonna work. Wow. You don't know, man. You don't know. Oh, we do know. <laughs> we uh, do know. <laughs> That's the thing. <clears throat> so, yeah, that is a slightly different podcast this week. But I thought with um, season eight of Game of Thrones beginning, mm-hmm. it was a good time to maybe do a, a, I don't know what you call it, like a catch-up or... Yeah. Uh, um, just people who either aren't massively into it or... Um, just want to know a little bit more about what happened before the show starts mm-hmm. I thought it would be a good place to kind of begin now you'll notice we didn't go into too much detail other than um, families and a couple of battles here and there about what actually happens in the TV series or the books um, there's a very good reason for that is because even though we did give a couple of things away although we did shout spoilers beforehand so if you continued listening it's on you guys, it's on you um, we don't want to give away too much because it is a fantastic series. So well cast, well acted, well directed, well produced, well done. Um, and the books are incredible. The fact that everything we've just told you, that entire history, came out of the mind of one man, George R. R. Martin. Um, I mean, I mean, no he's doubt got he. Some issues. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, no doubt he would have had his influences and things, but it is an incredible, incredible feat. So, to George R. R. Martin, thank you. 
thank you for creating that world those characters for screwing us up so royally that we always come back for more and uh, please finish the books before you die please please you're the coolest kid please okay moment over right yeah I nearly cried nearly cried right um we've got some other news haven't we we have um we have decided that we possibly fancy a change we do we feel that the name of our podcast possibly should needs to be different to what it is yeah i mean let's be honest it could have some confusion with doctor who and whilst we love doctor who it's not kind of what our podcast is about no sorry to disappoint no, it is a, it's not. It's about two nerdy friends chatting about history and hopefully teaching you a little something, something. Oh, we're friends. Friends. It's okay, I'll let it spell. Nope. <laughs> uh, so, we have a few ideas of things that we, we possibly might call ourselves and we'll put a poll on our Instagram. Yes. Um, but if you've got any suggestions of what you think um, would be a good name for... Keep it PG-13. Yeah. Ish. Um, just let us know in the description, in the comments, in everything. Let us know and we will definitely give it a go. But hopefully next time you listen to one of us, next Tuesday, we'll be under a different name. You know what? It's Game of Thrones. I'm going to say it. See you next Tuesday. <gasps> I'm a rebel without a clue. Definitely. <laughs>